All right, welcome to Quick Show. My name is Greg Matson, and I am your host. In this episode, we again bring back Del Tackett for our second episode of the series, Seven Threats in Our Times. This episode is on uh, one of the threats that, you, that Del, that you call the rise of Homo Deus and Mio Christianity. What do you mean by that? Well, the, uh, the Latin phrase uh, for Homo Deus uh, means that we become uh, little gods. We begin to think that we are gods, and uh, and as such, uh, our heart speaks divine proclamations. And so, if I want to declare that I'm a woman, uh, then you must receive that as a divine proclamation, and uh, you bow down and genuflect or whatever it is, and um, and you have to affirm that. Um, Otherwise, you will be considered a blasphemer. Uh, so the, the homo deus basically is the end result of what happens when a culture uh, runs unabated down a self-centered road. So it becomes so much about me uh, and so self-centered that I soon begin to think that my heart uh, should be received as something divine. And uh, so, so that's what I mean by by Homo Deus. The meal Christianity is basically what happens when uh, when Christians begin to believe that Christianity is all about them, and so they begin to see this, you know, rather than uh, being a child of God and a relationship with Him and understanding the grace that He has bestowed upon me, uh, it now turns into something that is basically for me. Um, so that's what I that's what I mean by by the title, <clears throat> and I think it is devastating for our culture, uh, and we've even seen that uh, in the news. So, okay, so I want to go straight to the first, the second half of this, where you, it's a meal Christianity. You know, it's you, you always hope and think, okay, well, with truth, with with uh, a Christian heart, that you're you're standing separate from the world, right? You're standing separate from Babylon, um, but. It, it almost seems more, well, I'm not going to say almost. It It is that Christianity really is just maybe a couple steps behind going down the same path sometimes. As, as you look at, you know, these, these ideologies, this idea that you're talking about of, you know, my lived experience, it's all about me, uh, this selfishness, this pride, that certainly creeps into the church. That certainly creeps into the hearts of Christians as well, doesn't it? It does. Uh, you know, there's a big word that's used, um, uh, syncretism, where what happens is we begin to uh, synchronize, bring together the thinking, the worldview that the world has, and and somehow merge that in uh, to my my worldview, my Christian worldview, and and so forth. And and of course, one of the one of the key aspects of the worldview that has captured our culture today is this uh, deep selfishness, this self centeredness that it's all about me. And when you uh, apply that then to our Christianity, then we begin to think that whatever this Christianity means, uh, it primarily means uh, it's for me. 
Mm-hmm. So it provides it provides what I need. It provides me with whatever comfort, and pleasure, and, and community, and so forth. And so it becomes more about me than about him. And it, you know, what I've seen with this is it 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 the scary part of this is it's almost sometimes worse within Christianity because what you end up doing is conflating scripture with like you say the the syncretism of of the tenets of the world and you try and mesh those and make them the same and what you end up doing is changing the meanings behind scripture you change the meanings behind the order and truth of god to try and make this syncretism work that's that's exactly exactly right and we see that uh, sadly we see it in many many places where people have uh, begun to um, to take the word prosperity, for example, which is the, a great word, shalom, and, <clears throat> and to say that what God really means by this is that uh, he means that you should have a big boat, <laughs> a big house, uh, and uh, lots of money and prestige and so forth, and you will get those things if, if you will give. Uh, the, you know, it's the same issue that we find in the book of Job. Where the you know the three friends are called friends, it's mm-hmm. it's almost humorous. You know these three friends come and basically what they're doing is they're saying, "Look, Job, the reason that you're suffering is because you're a bad guy." And uh, so the assumption is that if someone suffers, uh, it's because uh, they're evil, and therefore if someone is is good, then they will be prosperous. But the scripture doesn't give us that direct correlation. And that's that's what's great about the book of Job is that we can recognize and understand that that kind of thinking is wrong. But uh, as you were saying, you know, people have a selfish desire to twist the scriptures and make them fit what they want. Yeah, I, uh, you know, I, I I talk a lot about some of these pernicious ideologies that they're all they're really ultimately all based on selfishness and and uh, the. Uh, I'm losing my train of thought here, but, um, well, I'll get back to that in a minute here. But what you you say, you give kind of a state of the union a little bit in this article uh, and talk about where we're at. And some people hate hearing this type of thing. Mm -hmm. They don't want to hear the bad news, right? But I'm just going to quote a little bit of what you've put in here, okay? And, And then we'll talk about it. It says, we're not healthy. We're not strong, you say. In fact, I believe we are now more than ever before in the life of this nation, the United States, vulnerable to destruction. This has not come as the result of an external power or force. I do not speak of our military might, but I speak of the state of this nation's soul. Is the nation's soul sick? It is. Uh, and, and it's sick simply because we have we have elevated ourselves uh, to some level that we think is divine. And that, that's... That's why this threat of homo of homo deus, because if you look around at what is happening today, that it, it all it all goes back to a lack of um, interest in another, which I think the true definition of of love of that God is love, that He has a steadfast sacrificial zeal that seeks our true good, that we in turn should have a steadfast sacrificial zeal that seeks the true good of another. Well, if 
if I descend into homo deus, then it's all about me. Then there is no more love. There is no more true love. And there's no sacrifice. And that is why I think, you know, the last time we were together, we were talking about some of these uh, social trends where people were, they don't want to get married. They're not going to have children. I think a lot of the reasons behind that is because there's a self-centeredness. And and let me tell you, if you want to talk about one aspect of leading a culture into destruction, it's when people don't have kids anymore. Because that society is going to reach a tipping point, which we're very close to, which you cannot sustain itself anymore. All because of selfishness. Yeah, it starts to shrink. Everything from your economy to the dynamics of the family to the dynamics of your neighborhood, everything begins to change uh, as that happens. Very true. You say here that the selfishness is eating away at our character and our strength and our core like an aggressive, unchecked cancer. Mm -hmm. Why is it unchecked? Well, it's unchecked because uh, we we now have a culture that has severed ourselves uh, from from God, and we we have removed Him. Now, of course, you can't remove God, but in terms of uh, our public discourse, uh, you can no longer speak of God. You cannot speak of God in the classroom. You cannot speak of God on the newscast. You can't speak of God in the Senate chambers or the House chambers or before the Supreme Court. Um, we are not allowed to, it's not permissible anymore to make an appeal to God, to make an appeal to his moral law. And when that happens, then we there we have no basis for saying what is right or what is wrong, except for what I believe is right or wrong. And, and eventually that descends into might makes right. And when, when the soul loses... Um, loses its uh, understanding and its connection with his creator, uh, then he's lost everything. There is no ground to stand on. It is all quicksand. Uh, He becomes like a cork bobbing in the ocean. And as we spoke of the last time, this whole drive within the human soul to be significant now consumes me because I have nothing that really makes me significant. When, when God is gone, then my only significance is going to come from impressing you, trying to get you, manipulating you to somehow uh, affirm me uh, or to praise me uh, or for people to give me likes on Facebook, uh, to get numbers of followers. All of these things we desperately will seek to try and somehow gain the significance that I've lost. Uh, because I've I've ruled out God, and that is what makes the soul sick, because it has nothing beyond itself to affirm who I am as a creature of God, to affirm that God's grace is bestowed upon me, um, and so I run to and fro desperately trying to find that from the world around me, and I can, it may be temporary. We may t- get something temporary that lasts for a few seconds or a few minutes or overnight, but it will not last. And I, and quite frankly, Greg, I think that's behind uh, the rash of, of suicides that we have. Because if I believe that lie, it's all about me and my significance and pleasure and everything comes as a result of people attending to me and people don't do that then I'm lost, and I, ha- I have no meaning in life. I have no reason to live. 
so that the soul becomes sick yeah yeah it's uh it's a replacement right it's it's uh, if i if i need the support and love of the world in place of the support and love of god that's that's a well that will never fill exactly right right exactly it's just right. It, it's just never going to fill Let, let's apply this to the government a little bit you you know looking here in the united states you've got a land of liberty um it's a place that went completely through the american revolution against tyranny uh, you know, very much built on freedom and, and principles mm-hmm. of freedom. And yet, as, as I think it was Jefferson that said this, you know, if, if you can only have this style of government with a moral people, right. it only works with a moral people. And so if you have a, it, it, the more we can self-govern ourselves and our families and live in that type of an order, then the less we need government. Correct. To take that role. But of course, as the family decays and disintegrates and as God leaves our homes, then again, what 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 power and authority is going to fill that? And so now we've got a, a growing state that with all of the calamities that continue to grow because of the decaying state of our, our, our nation, where's the authority going to come from to try and clean these things up? Well, that's what is uh, really scary, and you're exactly right. I mean, when I was at the White House, I I immersed myself in in studying everything I could that was written by the founding generation, and they over and over again believed. In fact, it was almost as if they went to the same school, and they they talked about that religion and morality were the foundation for everything that they had built. And uh, I think it was Daniel Webster, you know, said, when the public mind becomes vitiated and corrupt, morally corrupt, laws are a nullity and constitutions are waste paper. And when you descend into that arena, they recognize that it, it was this absolute morality that God has given to us. We govern ourselves based upon that. If you no longer govern yourselves, then eventually you will have to have a tyrant, and that and that's what's scary about this. I mean, we're, we could be in a in a place right now uh, where everybody feels it's all about themselves, and because of the of the equity that we have in in this culture, uh, you can live with that. You can live that way for a little while, but uh, eventually, in that kind of moral chaos. That is when a true tyrant arises, and that tyrant will rule with an iron fist. Yeah. Going along those same lines, the, the need for authority and power in, in here, you also say in the end, right, as, as we move toward this homo deus, that a self-centered culture is a hateful and violent culture. Mm-hmm. Right. And why is it that that happens? Why does that bring about hate and violence? Because all of the ideologies today, the messages today are against hate, right? Against hate speech, right. against violence. Any, in fact, any microaggression that comes about is, 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 you know, oh, we got to watch out for all these things. And yet you're yeah. saying as we, we move toward this secularization and, and this pride in ourselves, we become more hateful and violent. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you're right. I mean, the, the words that are used today is that we're all about love. Uh, we're all against hate. And yet uh, I have a good friend of mine in Denver 
who, because of his moral absolute beliefs, uh, would not bake a, a cake that celebrated homosexuality. And if you want to talk about the hatred that has been poured out against him, it has been fierce. Uh, they've attempted to do everything they can to destroy him. So it's all a facade, you know, that talks about, you know, that we love and, and, and hate speech and so forth. It's all about this desire to be affirmed. And if you do not affirm me, then we will destroy you. Um, and let me tell you, I've been in positions where I have seen uh, letters and things come in uh, from uh, from people who have that mantra. And I can tell you, I wouldn't even describe it to you, even privately when described to you some of the things that were said. So there is a hatred. And it not only is a hatred toward others who want to affirm me, but it also ends up becoming a self-hatred. And uh, so, and this is, again, behind, I think, a lot of the self-destructive things that we're, we're doing. It's what we read at the end of Romans 1. We were talking the other day about the progressive aspect of God uh, turning a culture over, first to sexual impurity, then shameful lust, and then to a de depraved mind. And it ends with people, uh, the description that God gives is that even though they know that the things they do are leading to death, not only do they do them, but they encourage and they they <laughs> they try to get other people to, to join them in that. And that's what we see. That's just the nature of sin. It's the nature of of sin as it gets embedded in the soul. It is a self-destructive thing and it will destroy the culture as well. Um, I'm going to go back to the things that people don't want to hear. I can't hear. <laughs> um, uh, this is, this is talking about uh, stats of the, of the United States. You know, I, I, there is a certain, there is an idea of what do we call it? American privilege. Right, we we live in the most incredible country in the world because of how it was founded, because of these these tenets of freedom and liberty and 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 you know individuality and and freedom of religion, all of these great principles that exist here that have helped form this country and and spread an awful lot of good around the world. Right, yet. What is the worst thing is, is is having all of this abundance of freedom and and then not being able to handle it, right? This abundance of freedom and then taking advantage of it, this abundance of freedom and not being in a, in a spirit of gratitude mm -hmm. for what we have. Here's some things that you bring up uh, about the U.S. here. For every seven marriages this year, there will be four divorces, when we have babies, few are within the security and nourishment of a mother and a father. Half of our first babies are born to unwed mothers. A third of our children live without a father. And then going beyond that, so you know, all about the family and again, the disintegration of the family. And then we lead the world in producing pornography. 90% of the world's pornography comes from our nation. What, what are we doing? <laughs> yeah, you know, the these ideals that um, I call it the American experiment were built upon, uh, that a foundation of religion and morality, which was so critical because um, freedom was based, the whole idea of liberty and freedom was based upon that, which means freedom is not the freedom for me to do whatever I want. Freedom is not for me to follow my heart. 
freedom is for me to live my life uh, in in the way that God wants me to live my life and to be free from tyranny, from those external things that would prevent me from working hard and gaining the fruit of that labor and enjoying the fruit of that labor, all within the boundaries of that which is morally right in the sight of God. I redefine freedom now to mean that freedom means I can do whatever I want. I can be whoever I want. I can identify in whatever way I want. Then we have lost the notion of freedom. We have twisted it. We've destroyed it. And we're not pursuing not the American experiment ideal, but we are pursuing what I think is a demonic ideal, which will lead to the destruction of the individual and of the nation. Yeah. And yet we don't talk about it. You bring up another stat here. Um, In one year, we will contract 20 million sexually transmitted infections. 54,000 people infected every day. A fourth of them are teenagers. You know, so, so, you know, this is a, a societal issue, right? This is, yeah. This is happening to the kids too, right? This is well beyond a level that we should label as an epidemic and plague. And then you say this, but we don't speak of these things because it would dampen our lust for sexual freedom. This has always been a part of these same ideologies, this idea of liberation, sexual liberation. And it's it goes right back to your point. I mean, what does liberation really mean? What, what does that mean? Because if you can do anything and be anything, there's really no order left. Right. That's right. What? Why don't we talk about these things more? Why aren't they brought up? Well, they're not brought up because it doesn't fit in, in the worldview that we're trying to craft. And... Uh, If I am sold on the idea that um, my personal freedom uh, should give me the right to do whatever I want, whatever feels good, uh, which leads to uh, sexual um, depravity, uh, although I wouldn't call it depravity, we call it sexual freedom, uh, to be able to have sex with anybody I want at any time I want, in any way I want, and whatever brings me the greatest uh, pleasure then to speak of these things speaks of several things. It speaks of an absolute, because as soon as we say that it's wrong, then we have to admit that there is an absolute, uh, there is a moral absolute given by a transcendent God that transcends you and me, transcends governments, transcends the entire youth, earth, and it is true for everybody all around, all around the globe. And second of all, then it brings to mind the consequences that are associated with my desire to do what I want. So that's why we don't want to talk about the diseases. We don't want to talk about all of the the emptiness that comes from sex outside of marriage. We don't want to talk about all of those things, the diseases and everything, because it, it brings to mind the consequences of my actions. So I want to... I want to go through a world and kind of this foolish blinder on, uh, or the man who says, "Look, I don't want to go to the doctor because you know he'll he'll give me bad news." So you know that's stupid. I mean that's crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, or I don't want to look in the mirror. Um, 
and and that is again that's this um, depraved mind we were talking about last time it's a mind that has lost its senses uh and it's characterized in the end of romans one where, where people do things that they know are leading to death i mean that's crazy right i mean that's absolutely crazy uh but that is what happens in a in a culture that has been given over to a depraved mind if we apply this back down to the kids, even in our schools, you've got a stat here that says out of the top 22 developed countries, our upcoming generation ranks dead last in math, mm-hmm. dead last in problem solving. That one doesn't surprise me, unfortunately, and near dead last in literacy. Meanwhile, they're consuming more and more entertainment, more and more video games, more and more uh, screen time on their phones. Um but we're not doing anything about it. We're, we're, we're not trying to shift this. Yeah. It becomes a cultural thing, right? It's it's just part of our American culture now. We're, 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 but yet it's going to lead us to a not a good place. Right. Yeah, all, this all is, is a, not I, well I, in Zion, in, in other words. What's that? And all I'm is sorry, not I, well in Zion. <laughs> no, no. And uh, I often think of, you know, Jesus, when he was talking about um, going down the narrow path, not the wide path, mm. because as he, he says, you know, that the broad gate, that broad path leads to destruction, uh, and, but the narrow path leads to life. And, you know, the, the gate on the broad path, there's, I think, says it's all about you. That's the easy, the easy one is to pursue my own pleasure, my own desires, um, not to sacrifice, not to deny myself. That's what's written on the small gate. You know, Jesus said, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. Uh, that path requires sacrifice, but that path leads to life. And so much of our culture now, led by a lot of entertainment elites and so forth, uh, are leading the, our culture that way. And our young people follow that, and they follow it primarily because they spend hours and hours and hours on this, uh, which, you know, the, the, quite frankly, it's a portal to uh, to the devil's world. And and that entertainment is, is presenting before us a worldview that is the broad path. And um, so, you know, th- this is going to require parents it's going to require children, it's going to require all of us to swim against that. And it's not easy, but we can do that. Um, you know, God has given us his spirit. He has given us his word. Um, and and we have that. And that's why we're doing the engagement project, by the way, to try and help people begin to build a relationship with their neighbors and to pray for them uh, that uh, we might be the light and salt we're supposed to be. To that point of of doing something, you, you say something uh, interesting here. You know, you 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 catch a sickness, you catch a disease, but you don't catch health. And <laughs> and and that's the way things are, unfortunately, because goodness and righteousness require effort. They require faith, and they require time, usually, right? Which means that you have to sacrifice, and and you have to work at doing these things do we have the ability to create that health in our society or do we have the ability are we are we beyond some threshold 
At The Home Depot, we're dedicated to helping you build the skills that get your home projects done right. That's why we offer free and interactive online DIY workshops. During the live streams, our knowledgeable associates help you tackle your DIY projects no matter your age or skill level. You can learn how to install new single pole switches as well as standard duplex and GFCI outlets. Register for free at homedepot.com slash workshops. The Home Depot, how doers get more done. Hold at this point to turn things around. Well, you know, I, it'd be easy to to give up and just say that. I'm not going to. And the reason is because I think there is a large remnant that is still left in this land. And I think it's because God has allowed us to have that remnant. Um, and we understand and we know what is right. We know what is good. We know what is true. We know what is beautiful. Um, but it's, it is going to require us, as you just said, to begin uh, to sacrifice and to step out and begin to do things. Uh, because as you said, it, you float in this world. You, when you float in this world, you don't float towards righteousness. You don't float. Uh, relationships don't get better if you float in this world. Uh, in this world, if you float, it decays and rusts. Relationships break up and so forth. And so that's that's a fallen. That's what the fallen world uh, brought to us, unfortunately. And that's what God said. You know that we have to work now. If you want to raise corn, you're going to have to sweat. Uh, to to do that. And just as we say, you don't, if you're sick, we don't say, well, let me stand next to some healthy person uh, because, I, you know, I, I'll catch their health. It, it does. It's the other way. You don't want to stand next to a sick person or you'll catch, you know, that illness. That's the fallen world. We recognize that. We understand that. Uh, but if we desire to see, if we care about people, if we care about our culture, we care about individuals, we care about other families who live next to us, then it is incumbent upon us to begin the process of swimming upstream. And I think that's going to happen by building relationships, by praying diligently, asking God to help open the minds of those who've been closed, uh, to open ears that have been stopped, to soften hearts that have been hardened. Um, and to pray as a family that God will give you the privilege to be able to speak that which is true in the lives of, of people who are on the wrong pathway. Yeah. We talk a lot about what we call the spiral of silence here. And, and it's, you know, just don't get caught up in the spiral of silence. I think you do need to check these things and, and, and bring these things up often. Uh, there was recently, just a couple of days ago, a, a shooting in Tennessee, mm -hmm. another school shooting. And, uh, you know, these, these school shootings, regardless of, of typically the motives are usually a, a little bit nebulous, but oftentimes it is, there's some type of mental illness that is involved with this. Um, and would you contribute that some, to some degree also to this homo Deus attitude? Uh, yes, I would. In fact, I would, I would attribute a lot of it. Uh, to that. And it's back again to this desire for significance. If you look at the writings of these people, and we, you know, we, I want to be careful here. I want to be very careful here because there is mental illness, but we are now using mental illness as a way to cover up the sin 
in an individual's life. We won't talk about sin in this in this lady's life who killed these uh, these six people, three nine-year-old kids, three nine-year-old precious kids, and uh, and I am convinced that what she wanted was to gain some significance in the end. Uh, if you look at what happened uh, all the way back to the the shootings in in Denver in that um, in the theater, and read what these people are saying, there is a desire to finally be significant, and um, and I'll be significant. Why people will know me? They will know my name. Uh, they'll talk about me. I'll be on the news, and and that is be- why because we've lost. We've cut ourselves off uh, from the one who can give us true significance. And we're in this desperate search. And so this woman uh, identified it a man. And I, you know, what is so crazy about all this is that the media now is falling all over itself uh, because they think they have somehow spoken in a misgendered way uh, because the police said she was a woman and then, and then they called her a woman. And then now people don't know her. We call her a him or a her. And it's crazy. Why? Because we're so worried about that when someone has now murdered six people. And we need to talk about what, what was in the heart of this individual. Why were they led to believe that human life is so invaluable that uh, my significance is more valuable than a nine-year-old girl's life? But we will not talk about that, I guarantee you. In all of these mass shootings, you will not see one word said about um, the lack of moral values. In fact, the president of the, um, what is it, the American Federation of Teachers, uh, as a result of this shooting, uh, addressed the whoever the, the teacher association was and so forth, and was calling for the confiscation of guns. Why? Because that's the only solution that they can see. No one will talk about what she should have said is, you know what we need to do? We need to begin to teach our children again that there is a creator who has made us and and he has given us a moral law concerning the sanctity of human life. Maybe that's what we should be doing rather than pursuing some policy that is really not going to change the heart of man. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know the, the the homo deus idea is is a problem. I, I to me, I see it kind of the it's the opposite of the doctrine of Christ, right? It's mm-hmm. it's uh, uh, you're puffing yourself up, right? The love and bread. It's it's yeah. lifting yourself up as compared to the condescension of God, right? Who lowered Himself through love yes. below all of us, right? It, it's it's this opposite end of the spectrum that is creating the problems. And, and, and if we're willing to lift ourselves up instead of be lifted up, right, then uh, I, I think we're going to, again, we're going to flip truth and order completely on its head. That's exactly right, Greg. And I, uh, that's why I think we have to understand there is something demonic here. I don't want to get off in the trails here, but it's it's the work of the world, the flesh, and the enemy. And you're exactly right. It calls us in the opposite direction uh, of Christ and all that Christ did in his humbling himself uh, that the enemy wants us to exalt ourselves and to walk away from what um, what was shown to us and demonstrated to us in Christ, this steadfast sacrificial zeal that sought our true good. 
Uh, that is what he is calling us to. Uh, the enemy is calling us to the opposite, and it will destroy us. And it is. Yeah, I think you're right. Well, Dale, thanks again for coming back for this episode number two. We will have you back for episode number three shortly, and we'll continue to go through these uh, seven threats. Okay, thank you, Greg. Appreciate it. When facing a family law matter, it can feel like an overwhelming and never-ending court process. It's vital to know that things will look better on the other side if you hire legal counsel with the skill and compassion to help. At Stenge Law Firm, we represent clients in difficult family law matters every day. Visit FamilyLawRepresentation.com to schedule your consultation. That's FamilyLawRepresentation.com. Stenge Law Firm, here to help you rebuild your life. Stenge Law Firm has an office in Wichita. Kirk Stenge. 120 South Central Avenue, Suite 450 Clayton, Missouri. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records.